0: Chapter 16 of Paul, A Herald of the Cross. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Paul, A Herald of the Cross by Florence M. Kingsley. Chapter 16 The Colossus of Sidon. A strange, inarticulate, inhuman, maddening noise, a sound, now sinking to a low wailing like that of despairing, disembodied souls, now swelling shrilly to a full-throbbing note of agony, a thunderous, myriad-voiced peen of woe, rising and falling, fainting, dying, only to burst out anew into more terrible crescendos. Publius Petronius, the newly-made governor of Syria arose from his couch at daybreak with a curse, his usually fresh and ruddy countenance haggard and yellow. The seven-and-twentieth night, he muttered betwixt his teeth, and I have not slept. Beasts! He kicked the slave who had brought him his toga and sandals with such vigor and precision that the unfortunate menial landed upon the opposite side of the room. The man arose with commendable promptness and returned to the matter which he had in hand, namely that of investing his irascible master with the habiliments of civilization. Petronius, meantime, was engaged in roaring out diverse great oaths, which comprehended creation in general, the gods whom he held responsible for all his discomforts and miseries past, present and to come, also, and in particular, his bed, which he compared to a certain choice locality in Hades. Beasts, he growled savagely, striding to the window of his chamber— i will show them that i am not to be trifled with there are at least ten thousand of the devils nay by apollo i believe there are ten times ten thousand of them and all howling like damned souls and for what because a certain crack-brained imbecile who wears the purple will set up his trumpery image in their temple let him take the matter in hand himself i say since he calls himself the god of the universe god pa. He is inferior to the slave yonder whom I have kicked. He thrust his fingers into his ears as if to shut out for an instant the frightful clamor which arose from the multitude below. The master stone cutter from Sidon, Excellency, announced the slave with some quite natural hesitation. He wishes to consult your worshipful highness concerning the transportation of the statue. The Furies fly away with the Master Stone Cutter from Sidon. I have not breakfasted. Go tell him that I will not see him. Nay, bring him hither and at once, most worshipful, exalted and revered. Hold thy peace, man. I am no royal weakling, bloated high to bursting with impious folly, but a Roman soldier. Speak to me as such. What wilt thou? I have, excellency, well nigh finished the work upon the colossal statue of the emperor, which is to be placed in Jerusalem. It will, I hope, be possible to erect it in the holy of holies before the next feast day, Sanctissimi Dei. What finished already? nay thou art most diligent in the pursuit of thy calling good stone-cutter i am in truth diligent replied the man complacently and at all times yet on this present occasion have i wrought day and night as it were employing the most skilled artists and sparing neither labor nor expense even as thou didst bid me it must be very perfect man growled petronius staring hard at the stone-cutter and pulling at his short beard this is no fool's job which thou hast undertaken there must be no sliding of even the inferior parts the smallest imperfection of the littlest fold of the robe or the deviation of a hair's breadth in the disposition of a single feature the am i not the greatest artist in sidon nay in all phoenicia interrupted the master stone-cutter with heat do i need therefore to learn in my business anew hold my good stone-cutter there are yet many things connected with thy business which thou wilt do well to consider answered petronius leaning forward and staring yet more fixedly into the angry face before him listen now for an instant i pray thee canst thou hear the sounds from without ay thou canst hear thou hast ears it is for these good people without that thou art fashioning the statue of caius caesar the new jupiter it is to be their god now, if it be set up in their shrine at Jerusalem, and they discover it in the smallest flaw, and they discover in it the smallest flaw, what think you will they do unto the man that hath wrought the same to the dishonour of their temple? The stone-cutter grew pale, ay, thou mayest well tremble, pursued Petronius, lowering his voice almost to a whisper, for they would not scruple to rend thee limb from limb, as for the statue he paused and shrugged his shoulders but thou hast legions at thy command faltered the man wiping the great beads of moisture from his face surely thou couldst protect me petronius smiled i could crucify a score or more of thy murderers after thou wert dead he said coldly but the legions of rome can scarce stand guard over the body of a paltry stonecutter then his manner suddenly changed he clapped his great hand down upon his knee as if a solution of the whole matter had occurred to him come come my good fellow he said heartily thou art still alive and like enough to outlive by a score of years any one of these yelping dogs outside go back to thy stone cutting and fail not to refine thy handiwork to the last degree of perfection let the very hairs of the eyelash the hum the texture of the robe the sparkle of the eye tis impossible "'Impossible!' groaned the artist, wringing his hands in mingled indignation and despair. "'Who can express the sparkle of the living eye in dull, insensate ivory? "'Unless,' he added eagerly, "'the eye be fashioned out of gems, the white of the eye from pearl, the iris from—' "'Yes, yes, that is what I mean,' interrupted Petronius, rubbing his hands genially. "'Exactly! Let it be done in that way, by all means!' "'But it may occasion a great delay,' said the artist, pursing up his mouth with a dubious expression. Six months or more might be consumed in seeking out the proper materials, perhaps after all the ivory.' "'The delay is no matter, sirrah,' roared Petronius with an emphatic stamp of his foot. "'The statue must be perfect. Do you understand me?' "'I—I I understand, yes, assuredly. I comprehend perfectly,' faltered the stone-cutter, stepping back a little in his alarm. I will send it once for the gems and with all possible speed but the ah uh, the added expense how is that to be met with gold knave with gold how else there is no lack of gold with the emperor of rome the gods be praised for that much now get thee gone the needed gold shall reach sidon within the month the stone cutter still lingered shifting uneasily from one foot to the other if i have the gold to-day he began at length or at the latest by to-morrow it might save two months of time in the completion.' But at this Petronius sprang to his feet, calling with a mighty voice upon all the gods of the netherworld to bear him witness that a more stupid, thick-skulled, addle brained monstrosity than the stone-cutter from Sidon never existed, vowing moreover by all the divinities of Olympus and by the shades of his ancestors, that he would take the commission from him and give it to the slave who trimmed his beard since the slave was the better artist of the two the unlucky sculptor retreated open-mouthed to the door reaching it with a sigh of relief and disappearing therefrom with the celerity of a withered leaf before the impetuous blasts of the north wind seeing that the man from sidon was fairly gone petronius chuckled grimly to himself so far good he growled then he rapped upon the table my breakfast and tell valerius flaccus that i will see him at once i purpose he said betwixt great mouthfuls of the porridge which he preferred to all other dishes for his morning repast i purpose to advance at once to tiberius that i may see whether this same state of affairs prevails over the entire country also i shall send for herod agrippa and put the matter to him he may perchance have some influence with these accursed blockheads if they endeavour to prevent the worship of my statues says the emperor put them down by force of arms very good i am ready to fight but who can fight men who throw themselves flat upon their bellies howling like a lot of sick children charge upon them with a legion excellency and the cowards will shortly get up and run away advised flaccus drumming loudly on the edge of his chair with his closed fist that is how i should deal with the rascals give them something to howl for say i i have not asked your counsel sir growled petronius no they must be persuaded though may the gods smite me if i know how it is to be done but come we start without delay with one legion the others shall remain here under command of procolus valerius flaccus shrugged his shoulders but he nevertheless prepared to carry out the commands of his superior that day petronius at the head of his cohorts marched from ptolemaeus to tiberius pursued all the way by the dark cloud of mourning jews thousands upon thousands and tens of thousands of them beset the stolidly marching columns before and behind in companies of old men of young men of matrons of maidens of young children gaunt and wasted with fasting their voices hoarse with prolonged wailing hear us for the love of god they groaned save yourselves from the wrath of jehovah the holiest of the holies thy holy place o god woe woe is come upon us even the abomination of desolation and woe 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 sounded in the ears of the advancing legionaries in ever louder and more awful insistence till even the hardened veterans of a hundred bloody battles ground their teeth in superstitious terror and called upon all the gods of rome to protect them in the empty palace of herod antipas at tiberius petronius received that night a deputation consisting of aristobulus the brother of agrippa together with helsius the elder and other chief men of the herodian family where is agrippa the emperor's friend inquired the governor abruptly looking uneasily from one to the other of the serious faces before him king agrippa sailed for rome more than a month since being at the time unfortunately ignorant of this decree of the emperor which hath brought about such unhappy consequences answered aristobulus the governor received this piece of information with a fierce but unintelligible exclamation. It must be evident by this time to your worshipful excellency that prompt measures must be taken to pacify the people, continued Aristobulus firmly. Not only is all business at a standstill in our cities, but the peasants have forsaken their fields and vineyards. Already the time for sowing is far past, and unless the populace can be persuaded to return at once to their avocations, a frightful famine will follow, tributes will be unpaid, and in a word, the nation will be destroyed. When a man is ailing, began Petronius, frowning, so that by reason of the foul fever which burns in his veins he is for the time mad and knoweth not what he doeth, raging and tearing also like to a wild beast, then doth a wise physician open his swollen veins that the distempered blood may flow therefrom. So shall the sick man recover. If happily the gods be propitious, listen now to the ravings of the sick man without. And bethink you, if I shall straightway crucify certain of the chief men of Jerusalem, and of the others send a score or more into banishment, will not distempered Israel forthwith forget this trifling matter of the statue, and peace and prosperity shall be restored to the many at the expense of the few? There is but one way in which thou mayest accomplish this infamous decree of the emperor answered Helcias, his voice trembling with indignation. "'And what is that?' inquired Petronius. "'By my faith I should rejoice to hear it, since I am under commands to accomplish the matter at hazard of my own life. "'Go forth with thy legions, and straightway put to the edge of the sword every one both great and small, in whose veins there courses a drop of Hebrew blood. Then shalt thou unhindered set up in the holiest place of the temple the image of the Caesar.' but and if i shall put the nation to the edge of the sword what profit to set up the colossus in a temple wherein there are no worshippers nay good helsius the physician may not slay the patient openly before the eyes of his family if he would slay him he must accomplish the matter by stealth else would his own neck be in peril listen again if a man suffer pain in a certain member of his body it is likewise the custom of the leech to apply to another part a grievous blister or burn so that in the greater anguish the lesser may be forgotten and this also is a wholesome practice not long since i am told there was an uproar at jerusalem because of a certain man called christus who was crucified for his crimes at the hands of pontius pilate the procurator let now the minds of the people be skilfully stirred within them against the followers of this man who assuredly will work greater mischief to their religion than a dead mass of stone and metal in whatsoever shape it be wrought or wheresoever it be set up the followers of the man jesus are indeed hated by all righteous and law-abiding jews replied aristobulus thoughtfully and in some more peaceful time their destruction shall doubtless be compassed but what is any heresy or schism however foul compared with this threatened profanation of their inner sanctuary for the time being they have forgotten the whole matter there remains yet one other resource lay this matter before the emperor without delay and with all wisdom representing to him that not only will there come great loss and suffering upon the jewish nation who indeed are willing to die rather than to suffer their laws to be trodden under foot but that general havoc destruction and famine will certainly prevail throughout the whole region whereby all tributes and revenues will be lost to the coffers of rome if thou shalt represent the matter to him with due discretion it may be that he will be turned from his purpose petronius laughed aloud thou knowest not our caligula it would seem he said bitterly it is possible that the threatened loss of tribute money might serve to move him Though to make that good were a simple enough matter, since there yet remain unslain a few rich citizens at Rome. As for the sufferings of the Jewish nation, the story will suffice to amuse the god as he sups his wine. His head sank forward upon his breast, and the weird unearthly wailing from without filled the silence like an agonized prayer. I am an old man, he muttered, as if to himself. My tale of life is almost told. What remains is scarce worth a thought, and yet it is dear to me. The men who stood in his presence watched him breathlessly. The fate of Israel was trembling in the balance, they thought, not knowing that the fiat of the Eternal had already gone forth. Petronius lifted his heavy eyes and fixed them upon the white faces before him. He arose from his chair and solemnly raised his right hand high above his head. "'I will do this thing that ye have asked of me,' he said, in a loud, firm voice. "'And if I perish, I perish. May the gods bear me witness.' When he had said this, he went out of the palace and spoke to the people, who were crowded even about the doors. It is just, O Jews, that I, Publius Petronius, who have received honors and advancement at the hands of Caius Caesar, should endeavor to carry out his decrees with diligence. Yet am I not unmoved at the sight of your anguish, and by the misery which those decrees have wrought in your midst. I am therefore resolved at peril of my own life to intercede with the emperor in your behalf, to the end that you may be permitted to exercise your laws undisturbed and to worship your god after your own customs and since i am told by those eminent among you that your god is also a great god and very powerful i do request and ask that you will beseech him to prosper me in this perilous venture which i undertake for you and now do you depart every one of you each to his own avocation and fall to the cultivation of your ground with all diligence since the time for planting is already far past Knowing that I have pledged myself to your service in this matter, both with my honor and with my life. No sooner had Petronius spoken these words than there came down from the heavens copious showers of water with a great sound of thunder, which truly the Jews regarded as the voice of God. For thus was broken a terrible drought which had lasted for more than a year, and this took they for a sign that God had heard their prayers and that He would prosper the undertaking of Petronius so they departed with cheerfulness each man to his own place even as the governor had bidden them as for petronius he had now a serious task before him that of communicating to the emperor of rome the thing which he had done i am aware he said that in writing this letter i am also writing my own death warrant which is surely a grievous thing for a man to do yet did he set forth the matter very plainly declaring how that many tens of thousands of the jews had entreated him for forty days thereby neglecting their business and the tillage of their land. Also he mentioned in particular the matter of the revenues, and added that should the emperor refuse to grant the request of the people, that he would not fail of being publicly cursed by them for all future ages. This letter he dispatched at once to Rome by the hand of a certain centurion called Cornelius. End of chapter 16.